The title is, We Must Pay Attention, right? So I'd like to know how good are we in paying attention. Alright, so we'll start with uh, activity first. Now, you have done this activity before, just act blur first, can? Some of us are naturally blur, so it's okay. <laughs> so this is what we do, right? Can I invite all of us to stand up? Alright, stand up, stand up, alright? So this is about paying attention. Alright, so you need to watch me and follow me. Alright, are you ready? Alright, so we all do thumbs up. Alright, like I said, if you've done it before, just act blur for a while. Huh? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Alright, palm to palm. Okay, palm to palm. Now, this activity is called pay attention. Alright, so ready? One, two, three, turn it up. Alright, okay, so some of you didn't get it, so let me do it one more time. I come to this side, yeah? Alright, so you must pay attention. Right, ready? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Alright, palm to palm. Alright, palm to palm, palm to palm. No one cheating, right? Alright, what's the lesson of this activity? Pay attention. Alright, so ready? One, two, three. Twist it up. Alright. Alright, I know that some of you are getting a bit irritated now. Let me just give you the answer, okay? So when I say thumbs up, thumbs up, palm together, and then when I did this, pay attention. What did I do? I twist my hand the other way around so that I can just simply push it up. Alright? Please be seated and please don't throw stone at me. This is just an activity to help us to pay attention. Alright? Because when we don't pay attention, we can miss out the most important detail. Right? You know, you look at the inventors, you look at the innovators around us. They are able to produce very good product. Why? Because they pay attention to the right details. Similarly for our lives, we need to pay attention to something. Because when we don't pay attention to something, you can miss out the will of God in your life. Let me repeat that again. Sometimes when we don't pay attention to the right thing, you can miss out the will of God in your life. Now, some of you may say, my pastor, is what you say even biblical? And what exactly must we pay attention to? And this is where we come to our verse earlier. The verse that you read earlier, Hebrew chapter one, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. All right? For this reason, we must pay attention much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. See, herein is a warning for us that if we do not pay attention, if we don't pay much closer attention to what we have heard, we can drift from the will of God. So let's pray and ask God to help us as we unpack the scripture together. Holy Spirit, we ask of you to come and silence the voices around us so that we can pay much closer attention to your small, still voice. Lord, help us, tutor us, help us, that we may be able to embrace your word afresh today. Hide thy servant behind the cross, so that let every word that proceeds from this pulpit will always be the very word of God for all of us. And that your word will do something deep in our spirit, do a transformative work in our lives, so that, Lord, that we can become more and more like Jesus. Commit this time to you in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. This is the title slide for our sermon today. Warning to pay attention. Question, what is wrong with the title slide? I already started you by the need to pay attention, right? So what is wrong with this title slide? 
The title slide is wrong because it should be pay much closer attention. Because if you go back to the scripture that we read earlier, it said that for this reason, we must pay, it didn't say pay attention, it said pay much closer attention. There are three levels of attention that we are called to. Right? So, so we are familiar, it said pay attention, what would you do while you sit up straight, you try to listen to Pastor Sengli. But say pay closer attention, what does that mean? It may mean that for some of you wearing earpiece, you may need to turn on your noise cancellation. Right? For some of you, you need to filter out all the surround sound so that you can pay closer attention. But that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say, pay much closer attention. Now, what does that mean? It means that we may even need to close your eyes, strain your ears, really capture the full essence, the intensity of the voice. And that's exactly what God is calling us to to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, to what we have learned. Right? The pay much closer attention to is not to something new, it's to something we have heard. These are the four verses that I will unpack for us today. There are only four verses. Come, let's read together. Right? From verse 1 to verse 4 together. At a count of three, let's do it together. One, two, three. For this reason, we must, pass, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unutterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard God also testified in with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. Okay, may the Lord bless the public reading of His Word. What's the context of the book of Hebrews? Today marks the beginning of the study of the book of Hebrews. We're going to start in the month of uh, May, uh, five uh, sermons on the warnings from the book of Hebrews. Now, what's the context of the book of Hebrews? It was written at that time, it was written in during those times where believers were persecuted for their faith. Right? They were being pressured by the uh, authority, they were being pressured by the religious uh, uh, authority as well. And, and some were being uh, uh, thrown into prison in the process. And as a result, many of the Hebrew believers started to think about going back to their original faith, going back to the religion of that day, which is Judaism. And in the same way, in a similar context, there are certain similarity for all of us today. We are all facing pressure from outside. Right? We, are, we are facing the pressure to conform, to concede, to compromise with the religion of our time, such as secularism, such as materialism, such as pragmatism, the work culture, the cancer culture. And therefore, we need to come back to the study of the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews has given us warning and with the warning given us the, the handles, given us the, the knowledge, given us the skill to navigate through this pressurizing moment so that we can stay steadfast to our faith and not regress to the religion of the times. So that's what we hope to achieve for all of us uh, during the month of May. But today, as a kickstart this whole process, uh, we would come to the first warning, which is we need to pay much closer 
attention. But naturally, some of us will ask the question, but why? Why do we need to do that? I'd like to give us three reasons. Three reasons why you and I must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. First is because of the superior messenger, who we know, the Lord Jesus. And second reason is because if we don't pay much closer attention, there is a severe consequence that we will have to face. And lastly, why do we need to pay much closer attention? Because when you do that, there is that sanctifying experience that you can, you can have. In other words, you can experience sanctification. I'll unpack one at a time. Beginning with the first verse, chapter 2, verse 1. It says that for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. What is the reason? What have we heard? Now, you can't answer this until you go to chapter 1. Right? Because what? Uh, for this reason, referring to what was said in chapter 1. And therefore, I'm going to bring us back to chapter 1. Now, before that, let me share with you quickly about certain fundamentals of our faith. All right? We are called to have a relationship with God. Now, in order for you and I to have a relationship with God, we need a messenger from God. The Bible tells us that we cannot see God and live. Exodus 33. And also the other thing is that we cannot see God because God is unseen. God is invincible to our naked eyes. Right, so therefore, we need a messenger. We need someone to speak on behalf of God to us. And that was the very starting in Hebrew chapter 1. Hebrew chapter 1 start open up with this. God after he has spoken, after he has, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. God spoke to us through his son. Now there is a contrast. Right? If you look at these uh, two verses, there's a contrast. The contrast is this: God spoke long ago in the prophet, in many ways, in, in many portions. In these last days. He has spoken in His Son. There's the contrast, all right? In long ago, through the prophet, many portions, many ways. But today, He has spoken to us in His Son. He has spoken. It's a complete revelation. Jesus is the complete Logos, the complete Word of God. In Him, is the, the revelation of God is complete. You don't need any more messenger. Jesus alone it's more than enough for us to know God. You see, the past messenger of God, in this case, the prophet, right? God spoke to the prophet in many portions, in many ways. In other words, in Hokkien, this is what it means. Stay, stay. You don't understand Hokkien. Okay, never mind. What it means is that in the, in the long ago, God has spoken in the prophet, in many portions, in many ways, meaning in bit and pieces. You get a picture? And therefore, when, you, when the, the Old Testament people, when they listen, when they hear God, they only hear in bits and pieces. In, therefore, they need to come in many portions, in many ways. But not so for today. Because today, the Lord has spoken in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the complete revelation of God to us. And the author of Hebrew continued to build on this idea that Jesus is the supreme messenger in verse 2 and 3. All right? In verse 2 and 3, he gave us seven statements to demonstrate the superiority of Jesus over the messenger, and in this case, the prophet. In verse 2 and 3, it says this, He appointed heirs of all things, through whom he also made the world, 
and He's the radiant of His glory. He's the exact representation of His nature. He upholds all things by the power of His, by the word of His power. And He has made purification of sin. And He sat down on the right hand of the majesty. Seven things we can learn about Jesus straight away. That He's the heir. He's the heir of God. He's the creator God. He's the very essence of God. He's the very image of God. And He's preserved for all things. And He makes purification of our sin. And He is a reigning God. And with this, the author of Hebrews helps us to appreciate that the Jesus you and I worship is more superior than the prophets of old. Now, we just want to pause here for a while. Because in chapter 2, verse 1, it says that for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. What have you heard so far? You have heard that Jesus is the heir of all things. You have heard that Jesus made all things. That Jesus is the very radiance of God's glory. And so on and so on. We need to pay much closer attention to Jesus. Because I believe that if we take time to meditate, take time to really dwell deeply on this truth, when we truly grasp the gravity of this truth, our hearts will bow in worship. Now, the author of Hebrews did not end there. He continued in verse 5 to verse 14. All right, from verse 4, it says this, Having become as much better than the angels, he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Now, what happened here is that verse 4 is a transitional statement. Now, now that he has established that Jesus is greater than the prophet, now he's going to move on to tell us that Jesus is greater than the angels. So in verse 5 to verse 14, he gave us four questions and three statements to show us that Jesus is greater. Jesus is more superior than the angels and other messenger of God. Verse 5 tells us, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son? Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. These two are rhetorical questions, right? To which of the angels? Any? And the answer is no. Right? These two statements, these two questions are directed for Jesus. Then in verse 13, but to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool? Any of the angels? And the answer is. No, all right? This is only reserved for Jesus. Then the last question, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirit sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And the answer is yes. So from the four questions about the angels, we can see that Jesus is more superior than the angels. Then the three statements. And verse 6, right? And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Verse 6 alone will have established the fact that Jesus is greater than all the angels. But the writer of Hebrew did not end there. He continued in verse 8. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O Lord, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of His kingdom. And then verse 9, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companion. Jesus, it makes three statements about Jesus. That Jesus has the adoration from the angels in worship. Jesus has the authority as seen in the scepter of His kingdom. And Jesus has the appointment as being, being anointed by God. And all this proves that Jesus is greater than the messenger 
in the form of angels. Now we come to chapter 2. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention. What is this reason? The reason that chapter 1 has shown us is that Jesus is more superior messenger of God than the prophets, than the angels. And in order for you and I to know God, we need a messenger from God. And Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. Jesus and Jesus alone will be enough for us to know God. And therefore, why is the... Because Jesus is the complete revelation. What He say and who He is is final and complete. Now, in the result, as, as a result of who He is, how shall we respond? The answer is there. See, for this reason, how shall we respond? We must pay much closer attention. We must pay much closer attention because you are not talking about Angels, you're not talking about prophets. Because even for angels and prophets, we tend to pay attention too. But how much more you're talking about the final revelation of God, we all the more, you and I must pay much closer attention because it's the ultimate revelation of God. But the problem for some of us is that we are not very good at hearing. All right, what have we heard? A businessman wrote to me once, he said this, I practice true train listening. Are you familiar with the term true train? The MOE system from primary school to secondary school is called true train, right? So he wrote to me, he said, I practice true train listening. Basically, true train, one year in, one year out. True train, all right? So he was just writing to me in admission that he had not been listening to the Word of God. In fact, he had only been listening to the experts in his industry. And as he listened to the expert in his industry, he also participated in some of the corrupted practices in his trade. And as a result, he got into trouble. And in his trouble, God spoke to him. And because God spoke to him, he wanted to pay much closer attention to God. And so he wrote to me for accountability, to pray with him and to hold him accountable as he learned to practice what God has spoken. And as he faithfully obeyed what the Word of God has spoken to him, his life began to turn around. And as his life began to turn around, his business turned around as well. Praise God for that. Now to share, so you can see one example of someone who did not pay closer attention to the Word of God, and he paid a price. I want to share with you what happened when you paid closer attention to the Word of God. What happened? So recently, I think some of you uh, know about this. I, I was in, uh, on Good Friday, I was teaching in a church and I fell. And then my, both my shin hit the edge of the stage and both my shin bled. All right? It was so bad that I was rushed to A&E in the hospital. Uh, but the, the doctor that was attending to me uh, just cleaned up my wounds and sent me home. And I was, told, I was told to come back the next day for review. I came back the next day to the hospital for review. Uh, the attending doctor looked at me and said, that, Wow, the, 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 the wounds is bad. Uh, I need to stitch you up. And so the nurse began to prepare me for the stitching process. And as the nurse was preparing me, the nurse was also telling me, uh, Just to prepare you, it will cost you about 2.5K. I was like, Huh? 
2.5K. Then I asked her, I said, how would the stitching help? She said, oh, the stitching will, in, will hasten the healing process. I said, if you don't stitch, I'll still get healed, right? Say yes. Then I said, then you can keep your needles. I'm going home. 2.5K, that's a lot of money, isn't it? I know Pastor Singhdi very kiamkana Then I was all ready to, to get out of the bed, you know. Then my son tell me, hold on, hold on. Then my son quickly called my wife. Then of course my wife would say to me, you better sit there and get them treat you up, stitch you up. I'm a very obedient husband. So as the nurse go through the, pro- uh, sorry, as the doctor came in and began the process of stitching me up, I feel the pain in my heart, more than my shin. Then the next day, uh, my wife was spending some time with some ladies that she was discipling. And one of the ladies t- passed my wife an envelope. And when my wife opened up the envelope, and she basically blessed my wife with some money, and it's exactly 2.5K. Now, so naturally, we wanted to know why. So we asked her, why, why do you want to give us so much money? And then she shared with us that the night before, God gave her a dream, and the dream was about me. Right? Now, before that, before that, the Lord had already prepared her. Prepare an ampau for your father. Right? And the, the amount is 2.5K. That was way before. And so, now she didn't realize, uh, she, don't, she didn't understand because she had lost touch with her father for a long time. And so there's no reason to prepare the amount for her father. But she prepared anyway. And so on Sunday when she heard about my accident, she heard about the 2.5K and she remembered the dream. She connected the dots and she realized that God was preparing her to give the amount to her spiritual father. And that's me. I was so touched. I was so blown away that God knew that I would need the money and God already prepared the amount way before my accident. But more important than that, there was this woman of God who take heed of the word of God who paid much closer attention to God and prepared the amount way before my accident. I'm so blessed. I give thanks to God. Are you blessed by this testimony? Yes. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you want to have a spiritual daughter like her? Because when we hear testimony like that, we are so touched by her obedience to God, isn't it? We're so blessed by her obedience, her, that she took the word of God seriously. Now, if we have been blessed by someone's obedience to the word of God, how much to God? How much it delights the heart of God when we take the word of God seriously? So one of the first reasons why do we need to pay much closer attention because Jesus is the supreme messenger of God. Jesus, who you know, is the greatest revelation of God. And therefore, you and I must take, we must pay much closer attention to Him. And there's no need for us to listen to the other voices around us. We just need to listen to the voice of God. Because when you do that, you will be blessed. And not only you will be blessed, the people around you will be blessed as well by your obedience. But when we don't, when we do not pay much closer attention to the Word of God, there is a severe consequence. Right, verse 1 continues to tell us, for this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. 
The word so that is very important because what he's trying to tell us is that if we don't pay much closer attention to what we have heard, we will drift. We will drift from the word. We will drift from Jesus. You see, our Christian life is not just a swim in a swimming pool. Our Christian life is swimming against the current of our time. And when you stop swimming, you'll be drifted down. What does it take to drift? What does it take to drift? Nothing. By doing nothing. By doing nothing, you will drift. If you do nothing about growing, you will backslide. As I said earlier, Christian life is swimming against the current of our time. And if you stop working on it, you'll be pushed down by the tide. You'll be pushed down by the current of sin. Drifting is a very real concern for navigation on sea. It's also a very real concern for our spiritual life. It is real and it is very subtle. And you can miss your destination when you don't do enough to overcome the current and the winds. Growing requires effort. Drifting requires none. Growth requires us to pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we will do the right thing, so that we can overcome the current of sin and the wind of wrong teaching. In verse 2, the writer of Hebrew continues to emphasize, to explain to us the consequence of drifting. He says that, For if the word spoken through the angels prove unauthorable, and every transgression and disobedience receive a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What he's saying is this, If we drift, if we neglect the word of angels, we will receive a just penalty. How much more if we neglect the word of a better messenger with a better message, with a better promises, we will receive a greater punishment. For those of us who, are, who have served national service, we are familiar. If you ignore the orders of your sergeant, what will happen to you? You may be confined for the weekend. But if you ignore the orders of your commanding officer, what will happen to you? You'll be charged and you may be thrown into detention barracks. All right? A greater punishment. Then the verse 3 says, How will we escape? It's to try to tell us that we cannot escape. We cannot escape this greater punishment if we ignore the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is greater than all the voices around us. The Word of God is greater than all the commanding officers in our life. Some of us, our commanding officers are our wives. I'm not suggesting don't listen to your wife. Huh? I'm just saying that you know, we have high regard for our wives. Some of us, our commanding officers are our bosses. Some of us, our commanding officers are our friends. But God is telling us today, we must listen to the voice of God first. You see, it is better to be cancelled by the social media mob for speaking the truth in love than to be cancelled by Jesus. And therefore, we must pay much closer attention to God and His Word, lest we drift. 
Now, I showed this picture last yesterday and somebody laughed because they were playing the same game. Hinting that some of you could be playing games. But okay, yeah, 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 you, you don't. Only yesterday's group, yes. A little drifting, a little neglect, a little doing nothing. And before long, we can land on a very different destiny that God has ordained for you. There was a celebrity. You probably won't associate him as a Christian because of his other religious practices. But he was once a so-called committed Christian. I knew him when he was a young man serving national service. He would sign up for our equivalent of RTF, right, for his uh, spiritual deliverance because of a lot of spiritual stronghold he had. So he, he went from one inner healing session to another healing, inner healing session to another deliverance session and so forth. He was very regular in a cell group and church services. In fact, he was very active in serving even in a cell group. But he loves movies. And after national service, with more freedom, more control of his own time, he began to attend, he began to go for one movie after another. He caught up with the, all the latest movie and so forth. And eventually he got himself involved in movie production. And he stopped attending church. He stopped attending cell. And he stopped believing in Jesus. A little drifting. A little drifting. And before long, the person can be very far from God. I believe that many of us have heard, or many of us have similar stories of friends that you know, they have started well with God. And over time, because of the little drifting, they have landed very far from God. In recent times, we read about well-known personalities who gave out Christianity publicly. People like Abraham Pipel, uh, Josh Harris, uh, Morty Sansom, Paul Maxwell, they all have come forward to denounce Christianity. And because they have done that, the Word of God tells us, if you, de if you deny Jesus publicly, Jesus will deny you publicly. One day, these people will face a more severe penalty. They say, well, Pastor Stanley, you are judging them. I'm not judging them. I'm just telling you what the Word of God is saying. If we neglect the Word of God, if we allow ourselves to drift, and for these people, they have drifted so far to the point that they have renounced Jesus. Pray for them. All right? It's not the end yet. Maybe a miracle can happen in their lives. But the more important question for you and I today is, what is the cure for drifting? What is the cure for drifting for us? And the answer is, or oh, your silence worried me. The cure is, pay much closer attention. All right, do me a favor. I, I, I need you all to lock this in. Tell the person next to you, pay much closer attention. All right, we need to pay much closer attention to what we have heard because that is the only assurance. That is the only cure to drifting away. Why do we need to pay much closer attention? Because Jesus is the superior messenger. And who you know? Jesus. He is the ultimate revelation of God. And nothing can match His word. And secondly, why do we need to pay much closer attention? Because there is a severe consequence. If you, are, if you don't pay much closer attention, you will drift and you will face a more severe penalty. And finally, why do we need to pay much closer attention? Because as you pay much closer attention to God and His word, you will be sanctified. Verse 3 says, How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation as after it was, 
at, uh, at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. So how can we not neglect our salvation? How not to neglect your salvation? And the answer is, pay much closer attention. Alright, so it says that if we neglect so great salvation, so therefore, we're learning from the negative example, we must make sure we don't neglect our salvation. But some of us may say, what's so great about our salvation? You see, some of us, we don't appreciate our salvation because we have a wrong understanding of the word salvation. We think that salvation means we go to heaven when we die. But meanwhile, I'm still alive. I've got many other agendas. I've got many other priorities. Maybe when I'm dying, then I'll pay much closer attention. Wrong ideas. We fail to realize there's so much more about our salvation. It is more than go to heaven when we die. Because if it's about going to heaven when we die, then we should die now. Right? If you want to experience heaven, and then you're only available after you die, then we might as well die now. You see, the true understanding of the word salvation is salvation is about experiencing heaven now. It's about experiencing the fullness of God now. Not only when we go to heaven when we die. Now, the, our salvation is so important that the writer of Hebrews give us four justifications, give us four weaknesses. He tells us that it was spoken through the Lord. He was initiated by the Father personified by Jesus. It was confirmed by those who heard, meaning it was confirmed by the apostles, by the disciples. And it tells us that it was testified by signs, gifts, miracles, according to the will of God. It was validated by the Holy Spirit. Can you see the four witnesses? God the Father, Jesus, the disciples, and the Holy Spirit. There are four witnesses that testify to us the importance of our salvation. You see, in, in, in the scripture, for every legal argument or justification, it must be established by two or three witnesses. Taken from Deuteronomy 19.15, only on the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses shall a charge be established. Matthew 18, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And then Paul in first, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 1 tells us, Every church must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So this is, for something to be established as a fact, you need two or three witnesses. But our salvation is testified by four witnesses. You see, we neglect what we think is less important. We neglect things that we think is less interesting. We neglect things that we think is less meaningful. But our salvation is more than that. The Bible tells us our salvation is great. How can you neglect a great salvation? Our salvation is great news, it's good news. It is about experiencing heaven now. It is about experiencing God. It is about experiencing the transformed life. How can we neglect such a great salvation? How not to neglect so great a salvation? We must pay much closer attention. There's a saying, what you focus, it grows. Somebody say, what you focus, it expands. It gives us the same idea. So if you focus on negative thoughts, you grow negative moods. If you focus on positive thoughts, you grow positive moods. 
If you focus on your salvation, you produce a sanctified life. Now, why does this thing pay much closer attention? Allow me to just quite quickly define that for us. It is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us to think deeply, to examine carefully, and to analyze biblically for application. When we talk about paying much closer attention, it's not just a mental exercise. It must always result in application that will result in life change. We must think about, in this case, talk about think of, do not neglect our salvation. As you think deeply about our salvation, as you think deeply about what Jesus has done for us, there will begin a change in our life. Right? There will begin a, a, a renewing of our mind. Let me illustrate that for us quickly. So some of you may think, what's so great about our salvation? Now, in order for you to appreciate so great a salvation, you need to know what are you saved from. You need to know what is salvation for. Some of us have this wrong idea that it is about uh, getting a better life, a, a better career, a better family, a better saving income. Church, that's not salvation. That is self-improvement plan. Salvation is about saving your souls. Salvation is to recognize that first and foremost, we are all sinners. Before the Almighty God, before a Holy God, we are damned. We, 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 before God, we are condemned. We are totally helpless in and of ourselves. And God came to die for us, to redeem our souls, to save us. Now picture with me. You go swimming one day and you have a cramp on your leg. And then before long, you realize that you're drowning, you're drowning, and there's no lifeguard around. And you are drowning and you are almost coming to the end of your breath. And suddenly, someone pulls you out of the swimming pool and puts you into safety. How would you feel towards that person? How would you feel? You feel very grateful, isn't it? Who is this person? that lift you out from the pool of sin, Jesus. So when you think about your salvation, when you think about what it means to be saved, we cannot not feel anything. If you, feel, if you don't feel anything, it's because you're not paying much closer attention. Because when you do, you feel the gratitude. Now, there are three tenses of salvation. Pastor, so I believe that for those of us who are here, if you're believers, we are safe. Justification basically means that we are made right before God. All right? It's a past tense. And now we are being saved. We are being saved from, from glory to glory. And the, the technical word is called sanctification. That's where we are now. But the day will come when we'll be totally saved. And the technical word is called glorification. You see, we are saved. Uh, from our, sp uh, our spirit is safe, our soul is safe, but finally this mortal body will only be totally safe when we are in heaven, when we are in the presence of God. But when we think about salvation, you need to see this. We need to see that we are saved because Jesus died for us. We are being saved because Jesus helped us and that we will be totally saved because Jesus will receive us. And so when we talk about thinking about our salvation, when we think about focusing on our salvation, we are really thinking about Jesus. We're thinking about what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus is doing in our life and Jesus will continue to do in your life. And as you begin to focus on Jesus and you allow Jesus to lay hold of you, there will be the sanctification that will take place in your life.
That's why we need to pay much closer attention to Jesus. Why do we need to pay much closer attention? Because Jesus is the superior messenger. We don't have to listen to the, all the voices around us. Just listen to Jesus. Secondly, why do we need to pay closer attention? Because there is a severe consequence when we don't. And then finally, why do we need to pay much closer attention? Because when you pay attention to Jesus, when you pay attention to your, your salvation, you are essentially focusing on Jesus and allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. I've come to the end of our time together. I was praying about how to end this message. After all, this message is about paying much closer attention. So as a preacher, I better pay much closer attention to what I've studied, right? So I took time all to be praying and asking the Lord. And in my time of praying and, and, and with the Lord, the Lord said this to me, you have not been paying attention. I said, what? God? No, it's, no. in your conversation with Jesus, uh, God, the little small still voice that came, uh, it's, it's just maybe one sentence, it's like a one hour sermon for you. It hit me very hard. Then I, I, I began to ask, but God, I've been studying your word. I've been teaching your word almost every week. Why am I not paying enough attention? And that's where in, in my time with the Lord, I began to realize that the Lord wasn't judging me, the Lord wasn't accusing me, but the Lord was just showing me that I was spending a lot of time for the kingdom, but I'm not spending enough time for the king. Now, there's no judgment there, there's no condemnation. It was just a, a sense that God is pulling me closer to himself, that the Lord doesn't want me to be so bothered by many, many things, but to focus on him. Because God wants intimacy with me. God wants me to be connected to Him. And then as I begin to, to, to bow in worship before the Lord, then the Lord said this to me, end the sermon with this incident. Then I understand why. Because the Lord doesn't want us to carry any unnecessary guilt. Because sometimes when you hear a sermon like this, you feel that, oh, I, I have not been paying enough attention to the Word of God. God doesn't want us to, to have guilt feeling. God doesn't want us to feel guilty. God wants us to feel His intimacy. God wants you to draw you to spend time with Him. Not out of our sheer will, not out of our uh, pressuring ourselves, but rather because of His love for us. Because salvation is about being safe so that we can have a relationship with God. God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to relate to us. And when I was thinking of that, then suddenly the Lord connect for me. That's exactly what the Word of God says in verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 6. He says that, Who is man that you're mindful of? Alright, that's a NASV, but in today's language, it basically says that God is actually thinking about you. Yes, you. God is thinking about you. Not that He's only just thinking about you. He's concerned for you. And as I bring this sermon to a close, I just felt like this is what God wants to say to all of us today. God says to all of us today, He misses us. Yes, God miss you. Because salvation is about relationship with God. And God miss you especially for some of us who have been serving faithfully. God, thank you for your serving, but God wants you more than your service. God wants you. And today, God wants you to come in 
to fellowship with Him afresh. It doesn't, for some of you, you may feel that you're very far from God. God wants you to know that it doesn't matter how far you are. The fact that you are here God, is God's way of putting you here and God is reaching out to you. You matter to Him. God wants us to draw near to Him today. Draw near to God so that you can experience Him. So that you can experience the full weight of your salvation. As I bring this service to a close, I was led to this closing song and I told Pastor Jesse to prepare. The song goes this way, I made you too small in my eyes. We make God too small when we do not pay enough attention to God. I believe in the lie that you are unable to save me. When we believe in this lie when we trusted the voice of the world more than the word of God. But now, O Lord, I see my wrong. Heal my heart and show yourself strong. He has asked God to show Himself strong to every one of us. Right? Can we just close our head, bow, close our eyes, bow our head, and allow the Word of God to minister to you? God loves you. God loves you. Our salvation is about God who loves you, who doesn't want you to stay in the pit of sin. But God loves you. He died for you and He saves you. This is not an evangelistic message for non-Christian. This is the very message for believers that we must not neglect our salvation.